Uh, we've got a we've got a few cases today. Uh, no hell, dude. Though, uh, as I hear all of people clicking off SoundCloud, sadly, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sadly, Tarek uh, could not make it today because he was away on business. Similarly, Andy also got hauled off to do actual work for his job, and uh, he had to leave us. And we just didn't have time to get anyone else to read all of the stuff that we need to read. And so but, three I mean, people. Tarek uh, did mention that he's in California. He's having a great time and he hates every single person who listens to this show. And he doesn't care that you're mad. He doesn't yeah. care at all. He, he also said, uh, I'm going to I'm going to read off his statement. Uh, I'm the I'm the hell dude. Yeah. I'm, yes. Am I yeah. saying that right? Yeah, he said yeah, that. Too. That is correct. He said that at the beginning and the <laughs> He's end, and he interjected it in the middle, like right after he's leaving California. Yeah, three times. So, he's devious. Everybody and welcome to episode 10 of Mike Dicta. I am your host, Charles Starr. Uh, we are short-staffed today and uh, only staffed today uh, as we have become uh, just dudes for this podcast uh, through a combination of poor planning and even poorer planning uh, as two of our members have had to bail. Um, but uh, with me, I still ended up with a great crew. Uh, so we've got three people here. We have uh, James LaRock, uh, J.M. LaRock. Uh, wait, how many appearances is this? I forgot already. This is my third one. This is my first time back on the podcast uh, since all the way back on episode three, uh, where I explained wrongly to our listeners the various rules uh, for medical marijuana in states adjoining Wyoming. So, oh, there we go. Following okay. on that. Uh, that's right. That, that's this. That's you were on probation. So that explains it. Yeah, Episode exactly. three. Third appearance for James. Welcome back. Yeah. Uh, uh, and also with us back, I think also for his third appearance is Peter. Uh, corporate oh. name. Yeah. Corporate underscore name is my new my new Twitter handle. Smash, <laughs> smash that follow button, guys. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he's trying to rebuild his reputation after uh, being banned for clearly unjust reasons. So uh, welcome back, uh, Peter. Um, Thank you. All right. So uh, so let's get started with this and our actual topics. Uh, The first the first is a recent uh, case out of the Sixth Circuit uh, following on the heels of at least the second and seventh circuit, though it doesn't, it really seems like this is happening in a lot of circuits, where the uh, the EEOC brought a case against a funeral home on behalf of uh, one of the funeral home's employees, a trans woman who uh, transitioned while on the job and was subsequently fired uh, for attempting to conform to the women's dress code when the religious owners of the funeral home insisted uh, that uh, because she was, in fact, biologically male, uh, she was therefore a dude, and therefore, uh, by not doing that, they fired her. 
for all sorts of reasons that I guess we'll get to. And the Sixth Circuit, like a lot of circuits before them, have ruled that uh, gender stereotype conformity is on account, like when you fire someone for failure to conform to gender roles, that that firing is on account of their sex and covered by Title VII of the Civil Rights Laws and uh, the Civil Rights Act, and uh, they held that the firing was improper. So good on the Sixth Circuit. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we kind of predicted this, uh, and I'm I'm saying we to be nice to everyone else on the podcast, uh, but it was me. Oh, Jesus. It was really me. Um, on the the, the yeah. Scalia yeah, Peter, podcast, the lone wolf, the lone wolf <laughs> uh, who who only predicted the thing that everyone, including I think Justice Scalia, predicted. Though he said no, it while spitting on the ground. No one had thought of this before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's just me. No, uh, so this has been kind of brewing ever since uh, the late 90s when uh, Scalia came down with a decision that said that um, a you could that a man who was being uh, harassed at work because he was ostensibly gay, uh, or at least his coworkers were saying he was gay, um, that that uh, was covered under Title VII. Ever since then, the uh, the kind of ball's been rolling, and we've been moving towards uh, protection under Title VII for sexual orientation, uh, which a lot of courts have have found uh, is protected. And now uh, the transgendered community, which seems like the kind of natural extension of the law to this point. Right. It's. I mean, I think it ends up being particularly frustrating for religious uh, conservatives because they refer to this as a slippery slope. <laughs> And and people who are more comfortable with uh, their gay and uh, trans colleagues don't think of it as a slippery slope, but as the natural reading of what the law is, that an anti-discrimination statute should in fact be an anti-discrimination statute, and that... Uh, that gender roles very naturally fit into the language of uh, sex discrimination, right? You, you're not, whether you're discriminating against uh, women generally for being women or men generally for being effeminate or women for being butch or for not being in a relationship with the person of the opposite gender or for not conforming to what your boss believes is your biological sex, all of them seem to fit very comfortably in the on account of sex language that makes up uh, that makes up Title Seven. It's like impossible to talk about this case without without saying without like bringing up like well, it's because she's a trans woman, and uh, the owner thinks that she should act like a man. Like you can't not talk about sex when you talk about this case and and expect right. it done. Like there's just no way not to. It's 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 completely right. couched in. Yeah, and I mean they really try these really kind of evasive ways of doing it, where they're they're like, well, it's not that we're saying we're not doing it on account of her sex. We're doing it on account of her clothes. <laughs> she, she refuses, she refuses to wear a suit and we have a dress code, which is different for men and women. And then the court's like, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> um, the, the fact is you're not mad because she won't wear a suit. You're mad because she insists she's a she 
and therefore will not wear a suit. <laughs> and it kind of comes back to, and it comes back to on account of her sex. And, you know, they, they then try to, they try to cover themselves, um, in they're very religious and so their basis for objecting is religion and so they try to make a bunch of religious objections to it they try rifra because it's an eeoc case and they try to you know put themselves in the same place as hobby lobby um and none of that really is availing to them either uh because the court doesn't recognize the funeral home as a corporate entity, um, <laughs> which is not sort of, I guess, a closely held private corporation in the way that the Supreme Court considered Hobby Lobby. Uh, they're like, you, <laughs> they basically were like, your funeral home explicitly says that it serves people of all religions. So it's not a church and the people who work there are not covered by, you know, the ministerial exception, which is kind of what allows Catholic schools to fire gay teachers, right? Because it considers the teachers uh, within part of the religious mission. Right. And so, like, there's, like, a special kind of labor law exemption uh, in those right. cases. Which has resulted in uh, religious organizations across the country trying to say that, like, every employee of theirs is a minister, uh, literally adding minister to titles and things like that just to try to squeeze them into this exception so that uh, they can fire them if they're gay or whatever, if the, if the need arise, the uh, and exempt themselves from... The ministerial yep. receptionist. Yeah, I mean, it, that's, that's like barely, <laughs> that's barely an exaggeration of the kind of stuff you see, and courts have had to say, you can't just add the word minister to everyone uh, and give them like, you know, a, a weekly minister, uh, like they'll give them like a, an hour of courses on how to, how to do like, how to kind of preach in your everyday duties and things like that and see if they can squeeze people into the exception. Which is this, this is, a, I think this is an, sort of an interesting trend that uh, we, we generally don't want a court to like examine the specific practices and beliefs of a religion. Like if you say it's part of my religion, that we have to we have to go to church every Sunday. The court isn't going to like investigate that and figure out if that's what you really believe. But right. in cases like Hobby Lobby, in this case where it's like it's my religious belief that trans people can't work for me, <laughs> and um, or I can't uh, I cannot permit my employee to uh, begin dressing in a way that's consistent with their gender identity. Like that's my religious belief, uh, and Title Seven is in violating that. And courts have started looking started. The way they're dodging the we're not actually looking into how sincere your religious belief is is by saying we don't think that Title Seven is actually violating your religion. Like for example, in the uh, when the, the the churches try and say that being required to uh, provide health insurance that uh, includes contraception, uh, they say they it, it's a violation for them to provide health insurance. No, they, what they say is that it's a violation. It has devolved to the point where they say it is a violation of their religious beliefs to check the box where they opt out of providing contraception. And courts have had to say that's not actually a violation. Yeah. They're like, not only will we not provide contraception in our insurance, but we won't even inform the government that we're not providing contraception so that the government can provide it on its own dime because by telling the government that they have to do it, we are therefore participating. And courts in general, though I think there's a case currently on appeal 
um, which may be a little different just because it is literally a church. Mm-hmm. And so like the con the, you know, it gets a little bit thornier there, but with all others, they're like, it isn't actually an inhibition on their beliefs to check that box. It is really understood by everyone that the law is what's providing contraception to your employees. The government is providing the contraception to your employees, and you can't just not tick the box, because now your exercise of religion is infringing on other people's right to uh, their, you know, the other people's entitlements under the law. And I, they, I mean, there was a similar there was a similar argument in this case mm-hmm. where they tried to argue that um, that Stevens, the the plaintiff wearing a uh, that Stevens wearing a dress was an imposition on their religion, uh, though it really seems just like uh, they thought it would be weird as shit to see this employee who they insisted was a guy in a dress. And they're like, well, no, like it may violate your beliefs in private that your employee is transgender and therefore wants to dress according to her own gender identity. But it isn't in fact a violation of your religious belief to subject you to seeing it. And since it isn't actually a requirement of the job, that she be dressed one way or another, uh, or at least not in a permissible way, that doesn't fly. And they try to argue that the, that the bereaved would similarly be freaked out by seeing her. And they're like, you also can't import the, the prejudices of your customers. Right. All of our uh, customers into, are transphobes. Every single one of them. They're all yeah. trying to clock whether the person they're talking to is transgender or cisgender. Yep. Yep. They were like, we, uh, we've gotten a lot of complaints, your honor, not cognizable, not cognizable (laughs) under title seven, which for you to, for you to find it creepy. One of the things the court says, uh, cause what happened, like very specifically what happened is she told her employer, listen, I've been outwardly presenting as a man for years, but I'm a woman. I'm going to start dressing as a woman and transitioning. I'm going to start doing when I come back from vacation. And I've got to take, I'm taking it in two weeks. And the guy just said, uh, nah, you're fired. And it's because you're trans. And so he, and so one of the things the court said is, well, you never saw her presenting as a woman. You have no idea what she looks like. You, you don't know. You're just, you just have like some image of what a trans woman looks like. And that's what you think is going to disgust people. So there's layers upon layers of prejudice. Yeah. And I mean, not to get into passing, which is, you know, whatever you don't have to, it's fine. I mean, right. Right. (laughs) I mean, one of the, one of the sort of, kind of one of the kind of things you learn in passing is that the funeral home used to buy suits for all of the male <laughs> right, employees. Right, right. Yeah. While they bought suits for the male employees. And here's what they did for the female employees. Nothing. They did nothing for the female employees. And apparently that came up during the investigation. And so at a certain point in the investigation, the funeral home, because they're not like going to, you know, go on a shopping, you know, like trying to actually figure out uh, what dresses are flattering. Um, they they just started giving their female employees a stipend. And right. so the question was whether they would be forced to give 
a stipend to the plaintiff? And of course, the answer ends up being yes. But it just sort of, it just is this thing that kind of just comes up in passing in the middle of the opinion that uh, that they had been buying the men's suits and been just trusting the women to have appropriate clothes at home. Yeah. Right. They just give him the money and the guy's like, uh, you know, go buy however, whatever ladies are wearing these days, you know. Yeah. Keep, and that's the fix. Keep it that's the solution. Because obviously right. what they happened also, before is like the investigator comes in and is like, we had a, a transgender woman make a complaint that the, this 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 workplace is, uh, you know, discriminatory. Are there any practices here that you think are discriminatory? And a woman was like, hell yeah, I have to bring my own clothes. Did you know they buy, <laughs> they, they buy the men's clothes for them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's funny is that's clearly what happened. <laughs> right. Is, is they're like, oh, I see you have, you buy the men's suits, so I assume you, and then you could just imagine the, the owners just looking at each other <laughs> awkwardly, like, being like, no, they've always dressed appropriately because they have clothes. Our men don't know how to dress. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they don't know what's going on, but our women have always been dressed completely professionally. Uh, but we had to get guys suits so they would uh, stop wearing Earnhardt jackets. I think they also mentioned at some point that uh, there had been one female applicant for like the director <laughs> position in like 35 years. And they just say, well, she wasn't qualified. Uh, and as, as these facts start to trickle in, it's kind, of, it's kind of obvious the kind of operation we're dealing with here. You know, to be honest, I don't know the gender breakdown of the funeral directing uh, profession. I, it, it's, being, a, it's a perfect 50-50, James. <laughs> okay, okay, How dare right. you? Like, Except I don't know, for this well one may be that there was uh, only funeral. one female uh, applicant. That, you know, I don't know. Unless this was known in the, in the area as a pr- tradition, uh, typically sexist uh, funeral home. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know one way or the other. I'm not going to uh, look it up. I refuse just, to look up how how many funeral directors are women. I will not learn more for this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. There was something. There was something that I thought was like one of the defenses that they tried. Clients being disturbed by the appearance, which is just. And they, I mean, the courts. I just love it because the courts like <laughs> no, no, absolutely <laughs> not. You can't. You can't be like. Look, it's not me who's bigoted. Some of my clients are really <laughs> racist. All of my clients are super bigoted, and the only way I can make this work uh, is if I uh, am. We have to have the whites only lunch counter. It's I'm just we just do way more business that way. And I it's, <laughs> my I don't clients like demand it. a whites only counter. I, I don't like it. I don't like it either, Your Honor. It's uh, <laughs> it's just the way we do things. Yeah. Oh, this is this is this is how they tried to fit themselves into saying it was religious. Was that by just permitting Stevens to represent herself as a woman would cause him to violate God's commands because it would make him directly involved in supporting the idea that sex is a changeable social construct rather than an immutable God-given gift. He says he'll quit. Uh, and <laughs> what he says he'll quit. He basically in several places it's like. He said that if uh, he was forced to recognize uh, her transgender status, he would be compelled to leave the business. Like yeah. he couldn't even exist in the same room <laughs> as a transgender person. It's amazing. Cis people. That is. Incredible. We're incredible. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, uh, and so that gets dismissed. Yeah. So like it's, it's kind of, it's, it is just from beginning to end, just sort of a great, uh, great opinion out of the circuit, especially because reading the case, it really, 
there's just a lot of support from circuits and district courts across the country. It doesn't, I mean, we'll see what, you know, the 5-4 court ends up doing when all of this shit ends up going before them, but they're, they will be reversing a very, very broad trend across the country of accepting this argument as being the very natural reading of Title VII. And, and several of Justice Scalia's opinions. Yeah, and yeah, they'll have to go back on on Kale, and they'll have to go back on some other, you know, the other opinions that they've held, you know, regarding essentially, you know, you can't fire a guy for not being sufficiently macho, <laughs> uh, which is really what some of those cases come down to. And thank God for um, that for all of us. Yep. <laughs> yeah. God. Well, yeah, for, I mean, look, I'm sufficiently you. macho for my legal workplace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not working at you know you know chive and chive uh, <laughs> counselors at law. That's true. I'm like a Wyoming eight. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no. This gets this. I mean, this gets back to the case where we. I don't where we were talking. You know, a couple of episodes ago where the guys on the oil rig, you know, uh, were, were harassing someone for being gay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like I said, then all of us are gay for an oil rig. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's true. Um, so, uh, so I think I, does any of anyone have anything else, uh, they want to cover on, uh, on Stevens? The only other point I had, and it's going to get cut anyways because this is not connected to anything now, is that the way that they <laughs> the way they justify was that they were religious exercise. Is that he was felt compelled by his faith to serve grieving people? No, that's. I mean, actually, that I actually find that oddly sympathetic and endearing. I mean, I I think I I just don't think that that counts against anything else. Right. It's still right. the right. least restrictive way to enforce Title Seven is to enforce Title Seven. Um, right. 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 I mean, and and it's also, I mean, this, this is just, it's the battleground. It's the same battleground that discrimination statutes have been fought on for the last 40, 50 years. Right. Um, when it was race, it was still religion versus race, right? That these are the terms it was couched in. Right. Uh, It's that this, you know, these discrimination statutes are coming into conflict with my religious beliefs. It's always been um, on those grounds. And now we're just kind of like moving the, I mean, we've been moving the ball to the left, uh, for, for a long time now. And it's, it's, it's getting to the point where the right is, um, is probably going to start wrecking up a a couple small wins here and there, frankly. And I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if, uh, this takes an L in the Supreme court. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be a real, it would be a real bummer. I mean, you really do see it though, that the language that the language is not materially different from, you know, in the you know when civil rights laws were being argued on the grounds of essentially, you know, Noah damning Ham black, whatever, right. you know, like it it really gets back to some very sort of literalist biblical readings that allowed people to claim a racial superiority that they then found in the Bible. Um, but I mean, we're seeing like there were other wins. Like I, I talked when I was on this week in atrocity a while ago. I talked about uh, the transgender uh, ban in the military, where uh, where Trump tried as one of the first things he tried to do was to rescind the oh, like the 
late term Obama uh, executive order that allowed uh, that allowed uh, transgendered people to serve, like to to join the service, to stay in the service, to transition while in the service, uh, even to the extent that it required uh, surgical accommodation. And all of those programs were in place. And, you know, uh, with just sort of, a you know, the signature, Trump tried to kind of undo it all. And, the you know, Judge Collar Catelli in the District of the District of Columbia responded to that by saying that you can't really do this because all you've said is, you know, you've just used words like unit cohesion and the expense of transitioning and all, like, you've just said it, but you haven't proved it. And while your complaint is that Obama did this kind of as he was walking out the door, he spent, like, you know, a couple of years assembling the evidence that gender, that unit cohesion wouldn't be an issue. To the extent that it was an issue, it was impermissibly discriminatory. And that the that the financial costs were much higher for kicking out trained people for transitioning than they were in terms of paying for the nominal amount of surgeries that the military was responsible for. And everyone who actually was on the ground seemed to have accommodated themselves to it. And then Trump just came in and was like, nope. And the court was just like, that's not enough that these people have rights and they, they deserve, essentially, it ended up being, I think, an APA case. And they're like, they deserve better process than this. You can't just undo the findings of the Obama administration and they had paid the Rand Corporation to do, like they released like a 90-something page report outlining all of the reasons why uh, banning transgendered persons from the military um, was a mistake, essentially, both financially and practically. And it's like, you can't just say, uh-uh. Like, that's not, how, that's not how it works. And so if, like, as I told Jeb, if, if Trump wanted to do the work, right, he could have put together a bullshit commission and put out a bullshit study and that probably would have been enough to pass muster. Right. But like in anything else, he doesn't want to do the fucking work. He just wants to sign a piece of paper. And then he just can't believe that signing a piece of paper isn't enough because he's the goddamn president now. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a sustained refusal to believe that there are actual processes. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> He really yeah, he's, does. He's, he's like half right, right. Yeah, he's he's very close. <laughs> I mean, there are only processes to the extent that, but I mean, but look, the courts keep stopping him, right? And there's just sort of a normative question as to whether the five justices on the Supreme Court will ever stop him. But every like he keeps like just oafishly bumbling around in such stupid ways that it seems like almost like child's play for district court judges to keep slapping him down because everything he does is just so thoughtless. Yeah. That you know the right. that the district court judges are just like, "Ah, eh, 
we've <laughs> we've read enough to know that this is bullshit. Yeah, and Andy mentioned a few episodes ago, like he does keep tweeting about this shit. Like, it, yeah, you shouldn't right. use his like January 2017 tweets against him, probably if he's like talked to a lawyer since then. Because you do want to encourage people to get legal advice, but he didn't. Then just keep saying like, "Oh, Muslim ban." It's that's what it's you know. It's going to be a Muslim ban. We're going to get this right. one of these days. They're going to miss that it's the Muslim ban, and I'm going to get it this time. I'm going to get it. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's like the perpetual issue with not just Trump. And I say this like all the time. It's not just Trump, but it's like every time one of these legislatures uh, tries to do a sort of bullshit gerryman gerrymander or they try to like restrict voting rights or they try every time there's some oaf just saying the quiet part loud where you know like they they spend like years trying to set up the fact that it's totally legitimate and then some representative goes to the local press and he's like well this should keep them from voting ever <laughs> right Right. And and then the judge cites that, and he's like, "Con sarn it! They caught me again talking to the press in public." <laughs> Let's just say fourteen eighty eight. No one will look into that, and then we can uh, move on to the next thing right. on the city council agenda. <laughs> right? How did they learn all of our codes? Uh, you know, when they're all printed at you know racistcodes.org. All right, I guess with that, we will move on uh, to our second topic of today. Uh, the second topic is uh, uh, more discrimination. <laughs> we can never quite get away uh, from discrimination here. Uh, this time, uh, it is uh, by a man who you wouldn't think, honestly you wouldn't think would have a biased bone in his body. An upstanding citizen. Uh, upstanding citizen, free speech advocate. Human. Uh, Explorer. You know. Dad. Dad. Yep. Dad. Dad <laughs> of unnamed dad? children. He is, he is technically still a dad. He has parental responsibilities. They've right. been adjudicated <laughs> by a court. Yes. Yes. They mostly apparently involve writing checks. But of course, yeah. at this point, everyone knows that we're talking about Alex Jones, uh, who in his corporate uh, capacity is not InfoWars. Free speech systems. It is free speech <laughs> systems, LLC. Free speech systems. LLC. Uh, free speech systems, LLC. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, he was sued by a former employee, Ashley Lynn Beckford, who was like a researcher and an on-air personality for uh, a just a relentless uh, <laughs> barrage of racist and sexist and even uh, disability-based discrimination, though uh, we'll probably get to that, but I think the disability one is a kind of not, not the strongest claim but certainly uh when you're throwing the kitchen sink at a sexist racist why not also throw that one in um right. but yeah so so like 
someone, <laughs> one of the co-workers, to give you a sense of the subtle racism uh, in the Infowars office, uh, one of the one of her co-workers literally called her a coon. It's subtle. And then when she acted offended, said, I meant a raccoon. <laughs> real, it's subtle. real subtle, plausibly deniable uh, racism that's, in that's Alex the, Jones' world. Those are the kinds of qualifiers that get you off the hook. <laughs> and if anyone out there ever, just if it just comes out, you know, if you just blurt out a slur, what you want to do is pretend that it was shorthand for some sort of animal. <laughs> Uh, and that it's a surefire, I'm a lawyer, it's a surefire tactic. <laughs> I was saying boo earns. Right. <laughs> right. right. A site a site to the golden golden age of the Simpsons <laughs> in your in your defense. Yeah, I mean and I mean even the sex the sex stuff was not uh subtle either. Um I mean, none of it was even slightly subtle. It's, it's like, yeah, no. it's it's kind of, sh- I mean, so first of all, the, there's an obvious weird context running through this, right? Like, you're a young black female, uh, and you don't tolerate discrimination. Where do you go for a job? Infowars in, like, what, 2015 she started? Uh, she was a vocal supporter of Trump. Right. 2017. Um, she was a vocal supporter of Trump. But she went, the where she went wrong uh is that she was discriminated where she describes the political affiliation discrimination is that she says she wanted to hold President Trump accountable for his actions like a fair and balanced news network, <laughs> but I was reprimanded if I ever questioned his actions, even though I heavily campaigned on Trump's behalf for InfoWars. This Wars. is real shit, because like InfoWars used to be like, the government is absolutely, they're putting poison in the water supply, they're turning the frogs gay, they're coming to take your guns, and now Trump is in there, and it's all just pro-Trump. They've gone so soft, they're not talking about the important issues of our day. They're not talking about circumcision anymore. They're not talking about anything, like, and I, I commend this employee for, t- for recognizing that InfoWars has really lost its voice and trying to hold Trump accountable <laughs> for the abuses of the deep state that he's now in charge of. Yeah, I, I mean, I do. I do think it like it's a subtle. I look. It's an impressive pivot <laughs> from from finding everything the government does uh, as like a crime, like literally anything from you know seatbelt tickets to any war is clearly evidence of government corruption. To the second your guy winning. Being like the president is besieged, right? The president yeah. himself but has the one, no control. Deep state, deep state, deep state. The one thing they didn't have to do was change their position on black people, uh, and, and they really dug in. You know, uh, so we. Sh- I think we should go through some of the allegations. So yeah, yeah, please. Um, uh, black people were referred to by an on-air personality as colored people uh, repeatedly, including after she uh, pointed it out as offensive. Uh, someone was gifted by a Trump supporter and Infowars fan a pair of sneakers, or a couple of pairs of sneakers, one of which was covered in swastikas that were drawn yeah. on. And uh, the coworker showed it to her, like, hey, check out this gift I got, uh, and then proceeded to wear one of the pairs of sneakers. I think that he wore the one that didn't have swastikas on it. Uh, yeah. Just kind of like I around mean, the office. You know, uh, like a gentleman would. Right. You don't want to be garish. 
Um, and so I, this all kind of culminates with uh, her being told to go to a Clinton rally or a Clinton, some sort of Clinton event um, and kind of be a, tr- a black Trump supporter and engage with people that way. That was like the mission. Um, she gets uh, she gets some pretty poor treatment from the Clinton uh, Clinton contingent. Uh, she's called an Uncle Tom, um, uh, kind of like berated by these people. Um, and she then uh, tells the InfoWars people, I don't want this to go on YouTube, right? This is like, uh, she described it as not newsworthy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. It's like, I don't know what like, you think InfoWars does. but I think, I think she, like, it, it was like kind of, like a scales falling from her eyes when she realized that she was just kind of like bait. Yeah. She was a prop and she was bait. And I think it was like, she makes it sound like it was just kind of genuinely traumatic (laughs) to be condescended to by the Clinton supporters. And she's like, look, I really don't want this to be on the air. And the reaction was essentially like, are you, crazy (laughs) this is literally why we sent you there we We were hoping that this would be very dramatic for you yeah yeah it's it's so uh, one one uh one uh clinton supporter a white woman uh (laughs) tells her uh that she that she knows more about the black community than uh than beckford does because she has a black wife uh which is, you know, a dipshit comment. So (laughs) anyway, um, she then relays this story to the InfoWars people, uh, kind of like, you know, here's this like unbelievable thing that happened to me. Alex Jones gives her a side hug, grabs her ass and says, who wouldn't want to have a black wife? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. It's like, she thought it was bad when she was getting it from the Clinton supporters. And then Alex Jones's support is to cup her ass. And, and you know, he's like, what? It was a compliment. <laughs> right, right. Classic. It was a compliment. And so, like, there was. Uh, he, he apparently he's shirtless in the office all the time. Yeah, I, I want to read this quote. Uh, this is a direct quote. Alex often spent his time shirtless and endlessly leering with or without a shirt at female guests and employees. Endlessly leering. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't sound like the Alex Jones I know <laughs> who uh, who can't narrow his eyes enough to leer because they're bugging out at injustice. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> In the same uh, sub sub part of this com- uh, allega- these set of allegations, she says, Alex Jones came to my desk on one occasion to find out what I like to do for fun outside of work. And you might think, oh, that's just an employer trying to get to know his employees, um, uh, unless you knew Alex, who Alex Jones is or had the vaguest sense of who the man is, because this sentence ends. It's my opinion that it was intent- intention to see if he could groom me for sexual exploitation because he also mentioned that I had a good body that looked like I worked out a lot, which is never something you would say like, man, I wonder if you're into like bowling because you have a good body and look like you work out a lot. That's like, there's no way to, there's, you can't segue from that to an actual like human conversation. That's sexual. Yeah, but her, her grooming stuff does seem spe- like it's totally made up. Right. I mean, well, she, she says that he's rumored to have relationships with, with, uh, with people on staff and maybe that's part of it, but she's kind of like, I think he was grooming me. And uh, that seems like a, a pretty strong inference. 
uh, in in defense of Alex You're Jones, right. he uh, was not trying to groom her. He was trying to see if she was down <laughs> to fuck that day. There was yeah, no intent. It was some basic, <laughs> some basic sexual harassment. You it was know? not. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're saying I'm making it more complicated than it is. <laughs> right. Um, uh, she she also calls out some guy, uh, which is just who <laughs> I, I don't. I've never heard of him before. I think he's off screen, but uh, he says he viewed porn at work, like in yeah, public this, no, view. This is Joseph Jennings. It's it's great. <laughs> like this this paragraph, it's amazing. It's, it's just like, it's just trash. Again, it's right? she seven says, lines. <laughs> And it's says, all gems. He never used belts despite his obese body. <laughs> what? Wait, no, no, no. We got to do these in order. One, right, he looked right, at right. porn at work. He looked at porn at work in a way that his screen was visible to everyone. <laughs> uh, everyone, everyone told her that he was the HR director so that she had no idea who to complain to. <laughs> And then she just accuses him of having a plumber's crack because he's a fat guy who didn't wear a belt. Well, the the quote is he never used belts despite his obese body. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was it was harassment because he didn't start covering his ass, even though it was brought to his attention by female and male coworkers alike. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, you accidentally have your crack hanging out in the office. You probably shouldn't be fired. Uh, you do it. The fourth time someone puts a pencil in there, maybe. Maybe you need to pull maybe get up, a belt. When literally everyone in the office is like, dude, you need to pull your pants up. You're making us all very uncomfortable. The porn was one thing, <laughs> but we can't look at your ass. We can't do it. We want to look at the porn, but not your, not your ass crack. Please pull them up. Uh, and he still once you get do it. once you get pulled into an HR meeting for watching porn in public, and then you walk away with your job. At that point, you're like, "Well, I can do whatever the fuck <laughs> I want." I'm he is the head. Of right. I don't need to by listen way, to any of this. By the way, same guy, same guy, Joseph Jennings would tell her that he wasn't black. "Quote: You're not black. You're Ashley." Which uh, to a racist is you're one of the guys, right? And to a not racist is being black is bad and you're not that. (laughs) (laughs) And and so that ends up in this complaint, too. I've got to say, a fairly compelling complaint so far. Yeah, and not even uh, even unrelated and, to the the uh, sexual harassment and racial discrimination. Like it just obviously it just sounds miserable to work at Infowars. Like one of the very first paragraphs is they uh, production staff who are routinely abused on all kinds of uh, show business uh, voiced their opinions about scheduling, and Alex Jones' cousin verbally berated them and called them motherfuckers, and she recorded it. <laughs> She has audio evidence, she says, of being called motherfuckers yeah. by Alex Jones's cousin, which means by that point she knew that she should be recording shit. I mean, then and then there's like some basic stuff. She she was paid less than everyone. She yeah. She was fired when she asked for a raise. Everyone in the office has guns, <laughs> <laughs> and like that was very intimidating. Um, like, it's just one thing after another. And then she, like, they ask if there are other people. And she's like, well, they fired the only two other black people they had working <laughs> there. They had two guys on the production side. And then the other stuff that made the newspaper was uh, Jacobson, Robert Jacobson, who 
they who was like the office Jew <laughs> who got yeah. the same kind of abuse. I mean, not, not like the degree seemed a lot less. And, yeah. you know, like the twofer of racial and sex discrimination was not anything that Jacobson went through. But like they they I don't even understand like the memes that they made about him. I mean, they photoshopped it's, it's his face. It's just anti-Semitism a, without co- any like additional context, right? Yeah, I mean, like I'm not, I haven't experienced enough anti-Semitism to get those jokes. You, right? you drop <laughs> you know, like, like, the, like you could tell that they're meant with ill intent, <laughs> right? Photoshopping a guy's face on like a central casting Hasidic guy with some slogan. I don't even understand what it means, but I know that it wasn't meant complimentary in a complimentary way. Which, but I, I literally didn't understand what it meant. You slid, you slide, you slid right past that. Like, yes, you said like, oh yeah, Jacobson, he was the office Jew. You like, it's outstanding that this workplace had someone that they referred to as the office Jew. That's incredible. I can't. Oh yeah. Well, I mean that that's kind of the way I meant it when I phrased it that way. (laughs) But I guess it wasn't. I guess it wasn't clear that they repeatedly referred to him as the office Jew. You need to to just put a pin. Just put a just just put a put a marker on that (laughs) of some kind in your brain. This guy is like they called him the office Jew, the resident Jew, the Jewish individual, like. Again, well, the Jewish individual in in uh, in defense of Infowars was actually said by David Duke when he was on Infowars, which he is all the time. Oh, okay, uh, well, that's fine. So it wasn't by anyone. It, I I watched a clip of this, uh, <laughs> and it's like so. First, they have David Duke on. He like makes some comments about Jacobson, and then it cuts so it cuts back to Jones, and Jones is like, you know. Uh, I, I didn't think of this, but uh, the next time we have David Duke on, I'm going to offer you a chance to uh, give some rebuttals. <laughs> <laughs> I've just realized we really need both sides of this issue. Uh, we can yeah, have David uh, Duke on. Welcome to Good Faith Debate Hour <laughs> with David between Duke. David Duke and a Jew. <laughs> yeah, like just uh, they uh, he put they put his face on all kinds of stereotypical Jewish images. Apparently, uh, just just we just put him in the office. Just like, hey man, do you see this? Yeah, we put you. Uh, yeah, yeah, we uh, we gave you the little curly hair. Yeah, like Jews have. Yeah, do you like <laughs> you like this? Do you want to see this? Do you like this? No. Hey, did you see this other thing we photoshopped you in? So maybe the craziest part about this, the single craziest fact, is that he's been working for Infowars since two thousand and four. <laughs> 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 14 years i mean it's just like so a to even like b to like infowars was nothing until a few years ago it seemed it seems insane to be employed by them for that long um but to to have like you know it's one i i feel almost bad for uh you know if you you know you're you're in your early 20s you're looking for a job you're uh you're young and idealistic maybe in a very unusual way uh but you are and you, you go to info wars and your worldview gets uh shook up a little bit if you're working for these freaks for a decade and a half and at the end of it you're like you know that was a little bit anti-semitic <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I just don't know I, how to relate to may, you. Maybe I'm not good at logic games, but I finally picked up a pattern. <laughs> I'm I'm starting to think that maybe when you say Jew, uh, you don't mean it in a brotherly way. I think you might be including <laughs> me in your description of secret global cabals. 
and I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I finally realized what you meant when you asked if you could get a discount on your newspaper subscription. And I am horrified. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so let's get to the, like her, her last claim, like, cause she claims, she claims like race discrimination and sex discrimination and political viewpoint discrimination for not hating Trump enough. Uh, I mean, for not loving Trump enough, um, apostasy, I guess, in finding anything he did wrong. But then she also, uh, she also has a disability claim and her disability claim is that she has myopia and astigmatism and they made her sit at a desk with shitty lighting. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, I don't know about that one, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know that the ADA covers glasses. Like that just doesn't seem like enough. I mean, it might be, but it seems like she, this is just like, she's trying to get everything possible uh, into the complaint. And that one seems like not, uh, particularly strong, though I can't say that I'm an expert in this field. I do. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't. I. I don't know off the top of my head whether just something like astigmatism would be covered. I really don't think it would be. But if you get if you get severe enough, basically almost everything's on a spectrum, right? And if it's severe enough, you can say that right. it is. Um, that said, these these uh, EOC charges, everyone's just throwing the kitchen sink in. So by the end of it, you're always looking at a few things uh, with your head cocked a little bit. That is the yeah. only change that Alex Jones is going to make. He's like, you know, you can't <laughs> make a change and say about about uh, black people or Jews, but we will put in better lights for the production staff. We will do that. Because <laughs> honestly, honestly, I tried. I tried. I went back there. I tried, and uh, it just hurt my eyes. Uh, I couldn't do it. It was amazing. Um, so he is going to put better lights back there. That was a statement from Alex Jones yeah. himself. We played an audio clip. <laughs> so he, they actually did make a statement. Infowars responded to this. Uh, so Alex Jones responded, which, first, by the way, first of all, if you're ever sued and you're like publicly commenting, it should it should be like we deny these allegations. Uh, we're very upset by them, and then you, and then you stop talking <laughs> for a couple of years about it, and you no comment every reporter that asks you anything. But in these Infowars guys, they're in like they're in a world where you just attack everything relentlessly, uh, and so they don't know how to do this differently. So Jones denies an, any anti-Semitism. He says his wife is half Jewish. Um, <laughs> yes, hell yes. Uh, it's a uh, yep. half. It was uh, uh, the blood is half Jewish. What it is is um, the mother gives her blood, but the father gave his blood. <laughs> and and, and as you know, as far blood. as I'm concerned, that makes her full Jewish. But, but half, I want to half Jewish just means you shook a Jewish person's hand <laughs> at some point in your life. Uh, now, so also uh, the HR, the head of HR at Infowars made some comments uh, just to back this up a little bit. The head of HR is Alex Jones's dad. <laughs> Hell <So>. yes. <laughs> So um, he made the usual uh, statements who, that an HR rep. Who, by the way, would. is the real head of HR, not the guy watching porn <laughs> at his computer, <laughs> who tells the new female employees he's the head of HR so they don't know who to complain to. So there's Alex, and then his dad is the head of HR, and then his cousin has some position of authority to the point that he can call the production staff motherfuckers. Uh, how much? Who is Family not business. employed? Yeah, who is Alex Jones not bringing along on this gravy train? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, his child? Yes. Uh, well, he indirectly now. Yes. By the way, I think that I think it's interesting. This is just sort of a general media commentary. How uh, it seems like 
Democrats throw their children into media, right? Like, uh, you know, Russert's kid went into media and then Chelsea Clinton was briefly in media and uh, Chris Cuomo, like everyone, everyone puts their like failed children into media on the Democratic side, whereas the Republicans all seem to hire their dads. Uh, <laughs> Alex Jones, Alex Jones has his dad doing HR, and Ben Shapiro apparently has his dad writing blog posts like you know Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro owns rapper owns thug Incredible. rapper who deigned to question the authorities. <laughs> <laughs> well, head it's of like, HR is the classic grift position for a family member, right? When your your company's doing well and you have some family member pestering you about a job and you're like, well, you, I bet you could do HR, right? So, Dad, time you think it. you can uh, <laughs> dismiss my employees' complaints against me as unfounded? All right, Peter, you need to do an uh, Alex Jones his, his impression. His dad has heard his... I, I can't do an Alex Jones impression and I'm not going to humiliate myself Jesus. Uh, by trying... Uh, so his dad uh, also basically admits that there's like a bad environment there. He says it can be like a locker room. This is all like to the media when they ask him for comment. Um, he <laughs> hey, said, here's some legal advice. Never describe your workplace as a locker room. That term was tainted. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember this, but in October 2016, a certain presidential candidate made some references to a locker room. Yeah. I <laughs> he, will say it's like a locker room has got to be the craziest defense to hostile work environment. I can imagine. Yeah, there's like, a, there's this a place give and is a take. full of disgusting comments. <laughs> In fact, your honor, that is exactly what it is. Well, what he said, everyone's was... showing their penises and they're cursing. a lot. <laughs> it is a no totally normal workplace. What he said was that Jacobson, he was like, well, Jacobson, you know, if I remember, he gave it out as well as he, as, as well as he took it. <laughs> and, uh, and he sort of like admitted Jacobson alleged that someone left gay porn on his computer when he was out. And he was and the and, his, and so Alex Jones's dad kind of admits that implicitly. And then at the end, he's like, by the way, we have zero tolerance for discrimination. We're libertarians. <laughs> <laughs> We're libertarians. We mean yep. that in the sense of the anarcho-communist libertarian socialist tradition. We are very much originalists <laughs> in that sense. <laughs> Infowars is Antifa. <laughs> All right, so I think the general feeling here uh, is that uh, she's got a good case. Yeah, she's going to win. God bless her. <laughs> yeah, she's going to get paid. She's going to get paid. Hell yes. Yeah. I hope she makes Although her the, own the Trump EEOC. No, the Trump EEOC is probably is probably not going to take up her mantle, but she's gonna she's gonna get paid in a lawsuit for sure. She needs to take the money yep. from this lawsuit and start uh, real info wars because I mean I I'm serious. Uh, we need someone to hold the president's feet to the fire. Info wars has gone soft. They've been captured by the globalists. We all know that. And true. the New York Times keeps interviewing Trump supporters. Yeah, well, <laughs> we've got nobody left. There's no one left. Ashley Beckford. Help us, Ashley Beckford. You're our only hope. Yeah, I need to talk to the uh, the ghost situation I have in my basement uh, to somebody about that. <laughs> uh, and the local medium has told me to fuck off. And I need to. The, I know the government is involved. And so, Ashley, I hope you win. Uh, I hope you get paid. I hope that I you can make a show that I can call into. <laughs> I have important issues. It's times like these that make you wonder if you can even trust brain pills anymore. I don't think you can. Frankly, I've stopped taking them. I don't trust them anymore. <laughs>
All right, uh, we want to move uh, to the last and slightest of our three cases. <laughs> yeah. uh, this one is just for old internet heads. Uh, oh, yeah. If, for, uh, for people who remember Maddox, and I, I barely do, I confess. Uh, what was his website again? It's the best page in the universe is what it was uh, called. There we go. It was kind of uh, like this angel fire style uh, website back in like 2001, 2002 was very popular. Yeah. And so uh, Maddox, I guess, had a podcast and or YouTube series with uh, Asterios Kokinos. Um, and uh, that ended poorly. Uh, that relationship ended poorly and they broke up. And uh, the schism between the two of them uh, led to a lot of hate. And Asterios and his buddies on his YouTube channel. I guess, began a campaign of relentless making fun of Maddox and his girlfriend. So, Just like really, really, really funny stuff, which is to say they called him a cuck a lot. So this guy is... <laughs> like literally, that's like the whole joke, as far as I could tell. So this guy has been on the internet. These, these people have been on the internet since 2002. And they still have YouTube channels, and they have picked up the word "cuck." Is what you're saying? Yeah, oh, that's God. correct. They're also they're also Jesus like Christ. I mean, I don't know how old Maddox is now, the but was a he's, he's got to be forty and change, right? Good lord, grown men. I mean, it's got to be something like that. You know, none of these guys are kids, but like they're running around, like like they basically there are all of these accusations that they call him a cuck, and they accuse his girlfriend of having STDs, which itself actually does seem like defamation. The problem right. is that they are suing not the person who said it, but the person who they think told other people to like just start making up stuff. Yeah. But like so much of the complaint and so much of like the the opposition to the motion to dismiss by Maddox is just like this insane self-own that goes on for pages and pages and pages. I mean, one of the things that uh, that um, that Asterios uh, and his buddies did was they made an album of Christmas carols that are literally just the word cuck over and over again. It's like cuck, cuck, And cuck. he just cites the lyrics. Cuck, cuck, cuck. In Maddox his own like, complaint. <laughs> and like, it doesn't seem to serve any purpose except to be like, yeah, they got you really good. <laughs> like, It's also, it's called Santa Cuck. Anyone wants to yeah, look it up. Santa Cuck. I mean, his, his, the guy who pretends to be uh, like on Asterios' comedy show, there's a character of Maddox called Mad Cucks. <laughs> like, it's really deeply hilarious stuff. And, of course, like, he talks like he has a speech impediment and a learning disability and all of that. But, like, the, the Jingle George... The Jingle George song, they include the lyrics. So to the tune of Jingle Bells, it's just... Cuck, 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 Maddox is a cuck. <laughs> That's the whole song. These people. They released this. This is, yo, check out my SoundCloud. <laughs> this, these Maddox is like a the cuck. the worst people and, in the world. 
Yeah, no, there's no, there's no one sympathetic here. I, I, I regret ever logging onto the internet. I regret buying Warcraft 3 and discovering that I could communicate with other human beings online. I regret all of it. The problem, though, is that all of that drekken garbage is clearly protected by the First Amendment. Right, right, right. Right? Like, like the fact that they're making fun of you is like just really, really basic First Amendment stuff. And I mean, Andy, this is the one, like in one of the exhibits to the complaint, in like a classic Kurt Eichenwald hentai scenario, uh, one of the tabs, like he screenshotted something, but he included all of his open tabs from whatever like Reddit insulting reddit post and one of the tabs that's open in the background is clearly like a kind of very general legal website that says what is libel per se <laughs> <laughs> like, like like the guy is doing internet research in the process of writing the opposition to a motion to dismiss that includes him going to like the most basic, uh, the most basic explanations of law. Um, it's, and, it's kind of unreal how bad everything that he does is that lawyer. I mean, it's, it's like immense. And I, I actually think there might be some claims somewhere if he knew how to craft them. Uh, but he yeah. just, he just not fucks up nonstop. Uh, yeah. and it, it's kind of, it's kind of just like, it's just a total train wreck. Uh, like he brings everything in the wrong state. He's focusing on like these, you know, defamation claims that he's never going to win on. Um, and the other lawyer uh, in the in the briefing just starts to transition from serious lawyer speak into just 100 percent dunking over and over again. Yeah. I mean, like they left in they left in Easter eggs for their fans. <laughs> right. Like, I guess on Reddit, everyone refers to Maddox's case as the lol suit. And there's a stretch of seven paragraphs where the initial letter of each paragraph spells out lol suit. And the opening, like, eight, um, maybe I'm counting this wrong quickly in my head, but the opening however many paragraphs spell out apostrophe, which is another in-joke. But I don't know, like, that in-joke, but they that's clearly what the initial letter spells out. Though the... Though the key to all of it is one of the things that Maddox's lawyer does is that he says a cuck is libel per se because a cuckold is someone uh, who has been cheated on. And it is libel per se, not necessarily to Maddox, though a bit to Maddox, but to his girlfriend because it implies infidelity. And the response from Asterios's lawyer is, <laughs> well, calling you a cuck doesn't mean you've that this girlfriend cheated on you. It means a girlfriend cheated on you. And while it is not appropriate uh, at the motion to dismiss stage, should this case get to a trial, one of the things that we will prove is that the rift between Asterios and Maddox is because Asterios's friend was fucking Maddox's then girlfriend. <laughs> and so you are literally, in fact, a cop. And truth is, and a, truth defense. is a defense. Oh my and God. so that made it into the reply brief. Right. Which is, it's the, the thread is obvious. Do you want 
you want it to be enshrined in a in a court order somewhere that you are officially a cuck. Uh, <laughs> that's what can I happen. Don't even, I don't even think it's that. I just think it was like a reverse 360 from the free throw line. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, just to put it in the brief. To be like, look, if your problem is that it's defamatory, let me be clear. <laughs> that, <laughs> it's also that true. It, that truth <laughs> is an absolute defense to this claim. Right. And so it's just, uh Which is incredible. It, I mean, when you think about it, like, summed up, just like distilled, Maddox is saying, hey, they've, um, these people have gone everywhere for uh, ages on end, just calling me a cuck. It's, it's like, it's ruining my life. And the lawyer is just like, well, you are one. And that's yeah. that's and signing off. And your, and your life right. deserved to be ruined. <laughs> as a matter of fact, like it's really big. Like it just, it's just the guy doesn't seem to have like any handle on what he's suing over, right. and so his brief is just kind of all over the place in a way that, in some places, seems like it was written not literally by a Savsit guy, but by a guy with a Savsit's understanding of the law he's trying to claim right you know like you said there was a jurisdictional issue right he's he's maddox lives in california and he sued in new york using new york defamation law and asterios's lawyers just string cite all these cases where they're like a plaintiff in like an out-of-state plaintiff has to use their own local defamation law like you, you, like none of the claims that you've brought are valid because you can't bring them under New York law as a non-resident. And he doesn't really have an answer to that. He's just like, well, we, I mean, we do business in New York. Right. And so they come back with a bunch of string sites that say that's not enough. And I mean, I'm not digging into whether it's right or not, but it, like, it really just seems like a very sort of brutal hammering. This... I so so I gotta be honest. I have no idea who the fuck this guy is. Like I've never heard of Maddox before. I have no idea, and I honestly <laughs> feel blessed to not know. And I have four tabs open of legal pleadings relating to his uh, life and career, and I feel dirty. Uh, so <laughs> so I'm like on his Wikipedia page I, to try and learn who this guy is. And the first thing you uh, notice is that his profile picture on Wikipedia is him flipping you off, which is like, yeah, that's super. Yeah. That's super edgy, dude. That's incredibly edgy. Uh, you flipping off in, in 2001. It was, I mean, that's, that's when he was popular was when like, um, when the internet was basically just like a place for like businesses to describe what they do. <laughs> and, and, like, <laughs> and then there were like message boards on the side, uh, which were riddled with crime. And, uh, then you had someone like Maddox come in and he's just like writing comedy, uh, on, in kind of like a blog format before blogs were popular. Uh, and it, you know, I think it was, it was probably, I, I remember thinking it was funny, but I was like 15. Uh, so <laughs> I, uh, you know, that it probably wasn't. So you're saying you enjoyed but, right. the alphabet of manliness, a book that Maddox published in 2006 uh, featuring I did chapter length. I did not read on every letter, including N for Norris Chuck. You enjoyed those jokes that Maddox wrote <laughs> about Chuck Norris. <laughs> Wait, he I made a say, Chuck Norris joke in 2006? To, 2006. You would have to literally hook me up uh, to the Clockwork Orange reprogramming machine to, uh, to get me to listen to the Santa Cucks album. And he wrote two more books. <laughs> over a quarter of a million YouTube subscribers. And he wrote a book called Fuck Whales. 
which is literally a Simpsons joke. Yeah, right, got a new right. whales. whales. That's another. That's another deep Simpsons cut coming for me for this episode. That's that's it. Count it. That's two. Yep. Oh my god! Yeah, is that, is that yeah, right? That's less than a year ago, this guy of- published a book that was like fuck whales. Yeah, I'm gonna take oh an edgy counterculture god. stand against the environment. That's the new punk rock. It's being wasteful. <laughs> I mean, this is this is someone who wrote a book called The Art of Manu- Manliness, and 10 years later, uh, whether or not someone was fucking his girlfriend was being lit- litigated, you know? <laughs> the alphabet I mean, of manliness. This is, <laughs> this is a tragic life, you know? I don't want to make fun of him anymore. It's, this is just an yeah, awful I existence. I think, I think, you guys I think feel bad including about us, there are no winners here. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. I will say all we're doing is giving attention to a truly sad man and his, and his sad attorneys. Um, all right. Uh, so I think we have wrapped up everything we're going to wrap up that here. That was really mean, but I stand uh, by it. <laughs> that was what? really mean. No, that's fine. I can't imagine that. There's no way that'll get edited. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, uh, and so with that, uh, let me. Oh, let me do the one thing that I've been meaning to do for a while. Uh, I want to thank two people who we don't thank enough. Uh, the first is uh, Curtis Kramer. Uh, who does our audio cleanup. Um, and uh, I want to thank uh, Twitter's Baron Von Doodles, who did our incredible uh, Mike Dicta logo, uh, which is glorious to behold every time I see it. Uh, and then finally, a new guy who uh, did my new Twitter avatar and did a great uh, portrait of the hell dude and i'm pretty sure james he finished one for you too he, right he started one we'll see if he finishes it it's he started fine. one we, so it'll come out we soon. don't pay any of these is, every, is everybody else getting portraits what the fuck we is don't this? pay <laughs> any of these well people. i mean they're not portraits <laughs> exactly but i gotta is- thank sir ploops uh of twitter who uh who just you know is uh also another uh good twitter doodle guy uh who uh, who drew uh, a new avatar for me, uh, which I really appreciate. Uh, getting to the stage where someone did fan art of me is more than I ever expected out of this podcast. <laughs> um, and so uh, thank you to all of them. Uh, and thank you uh, to my guests today, uh, James J.M. LaRock on Twitter, and, uh, and Peter, corporate underscore name, I am Charles uh, Ugarl's star. Uh, thank you, everyone, uh, and have a good night. All right. Enter my intimate energy element. I am an entity walking ahead of the pack. I really am out of my head, and it's evident that I will never be able to ever quit. Melanin fellow with hell of a relevance. Letters and elegant metaphors ready to set it off. Dead on your petty, your levels are ready and able to murder and tyrants. He's all in the pieces and murking and berries. He's honoring measly crumbs. Chill, it easily comes like breathing from deep in the sea to your lungs. I creep to the beat of a drum that's unique to me as I keep it a hundred. Leaving through regions and leaving the dumb. And feeble them ceasing and deep in the mud. While some of them keeping the thug like there is a leak in their mud. We better start reaching the blood. We hit it for economic. To get what you're thinking of, bro. I'm creeping beneath the the service will purpose, I'm killing the liquids of what MC and Shabias don't interest of me if their mission is weakened and keeping it dumb. Keep sleeping, I'm tweaking the frequency of MC and being a piece of the puzzle. Breathing, we seeking the freedom and what it means to be free and be equal as one. The nation is bobbing and weaving, afraid of the awful and evil. Don't make it their power to lead you away from the power preceding creation. See all of the leaders to take us up out of the season. I hate the laws are receiving and giving a living. If y'all are believing in infinite knowledge, it's breathing and hellin' without it and top of the greedy. Yo, 
The path of the righteous person, laughing and tired of hurting. I'm asking a frantic, emphatic, combative idiot. When is the past a millennium? Master rising the surface, snatching your wifey's purses. I'm a little brother like Hakim. When I got around on a stage for a good amount of time, I'm grabbing the mic and urgent, smashing a dime for certain, splashing the ice with bourbon. Fro gon' spit so crazy, hoes wanna give Fro a baby. Crash when he's driving, you're burning. I rap people mind it, the speakers ain't working. I'm clapping a nine at your jeep and you're swerving. I'm black with the eyes of a serpent, back with a knife for purchase. I'm hacking the rhymes and the heat is conversing. Attacking his mind, I am evil you worship. Here with a vengeance, up here appears in a mere sentence. TV the apprentice, Fro wanna track with Gavin. Combined with the beat that we murkin' Drama unravel, full commence Llama in the shadows, no defense Calm in the battle, most intense Honey dips in them silly bras They got to do me, I throw